In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who comes in order to give us His Spirit so that we may do things that make Him proud. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, it's Pentecost Sunday, and a lot of Pentecost Sunday is about languages, right? Because you've got this thing going on in Acts 2 where it's kind of this interesting story that always gets read on Pentecost, this story where all of the disciples are together and they're in this upper room and all of a sudden they hear a hurricane or a tornado or some loud wind that comes in and then all of a sudden they get fire on top of their heads, which that's kind of cool. (laughs) But then out of that, they start speaking in different languages. And and all sorts of people hear the gospel presented to them in their different languages. And then there are people who are hearing them and they go, look at those drunk guys. Because I don't know about you, when I get to drinking, that's immediately what happens to me. I start speaking in foreign languages. Um, Yeah, no. Uh, but you can kind of understand where they're coming from. They're, they're talking in a different language, and so maybe it sounds like they're slurring their words or whatever. But Peter says, no, this isn't us being drunk. This is us being filled with the Holy Spirit so that we can tell people about Jesus in their own specific languages. And so it's kind of interesting that we sort of rewind the tapes back when we look at this Old Testament reading. Today, Because this Old Testament reading is kind of the beginning of languages, right? Uh, according to the Bible, it's this story that uh, we learn uh, th- throughout our lives, really, in a lot of ways. It's this story that gets taught in, in a lot of um, kids' books. It's a story that gets taught to, uh, taught to a lot of people. And it has to do with the beginning of languages. And what we know about the beginning of languages, just from uh, science and, and linguistics and looking at things, is that there does appear to be sort of one proto-language, one, one language that everybody spoke. And then from there, it divided into uh, kind of two. And um, the, the centum languages and the um, certum languages. And, and from there, it broke into five. And six of those were centum, and the other four were, were the certum ones. And, and from there, it continued to break apart. But here in Genesis, we, we have kind of the, the story of maybe how that happened. Maybe how that happened was all of the people at Babel, when their languages were divided, maybe that was just a split down the middle. And they went their different ways, and from there, it split down the middle again, and went from, in different ways from there. And, and you had this sense of how we have the different languages that we have, how we speak the different languages that we speak, how we understand the different languages that we understand. And it's this great story. But there's something about this story that always kind of bothered me. Pretty much every time that I read it. And the thing that bothered me about the story was not that uh, all of a sudden you have languages that, uh, that, that start here in, in Genesis 11 and then go out and currently we have about uh, 6,500 languages in, uh, in the world. Uh, about 2,000 of those are spoken by, um, a, by, by groups of people that are 1,000 or less. So uh, this... Yeah, 
you, you kind of get a little bit of that. But at least 4,500 languages, that's a lot. But that's not what bothered me. What bothered me was this little interlude where God is kind of talking within the communion of himself, where uh, God is talking within the Trinity. And so, you know, I always get this picture of, you know, the, these people, these Babelites are building this city and this tower, and they're so proud of it. <laughs> You know, they, they're like, oh, okay, we're going to build this tower. It's going to be sort of, you know, the skyscraper up to God. It's going to be like the nine um, next to us. That, that is a skyscraper up to something. And we're going to build this thing, and it's going to be great, and, and we're, we're going to be able to take the elevator up and talk to God, and it, it'll be awesome. And God, it says, you know, in the text, it says, God says, let us go down there and look at this thing. So you, you get this sense that God is up there in the Trinity going, you see that? Oh, it's so cute. Let's go down and look at it. And so they go down and look at it, and, and, and they check it out. And this is where it, it gets a little bit troubling to me. Because uh, what God says next in there is, he, he, he sort of inspects the tower, and then he goes, oh, that's kind of cute, whatever. But then he says, now, nothing will be impossible for them. And so we have to confuse their languages and give them all sorts of different languages. And I always read that. I, I, I don't know if this is how you've read it, but I always read that as, you know, God's sort of insecure. That God's threatened by these, you know, these Babelites. And that never made sense to me because I was like, God, you're God. And these are Babelites. I mean, really? And so there was something that never really quite matched up. And so... I would hear people preach on this, and I'd hear people talk about it, and they would say, oh, well, God's not, you know, insecure about himself. He's insecure about them. He's afraid that they are going to harm themselves and others. That uh, all of a sudden, when, when God is saying, oh, now nothing will be impossible for them, so let's confuse their languages, that, that the reason he's saying that is that, well, he, he kind of knows what was happening with Noah, and he knows all of the wickedness and the evil in the world that, that can come together. And he's like, well, if we split them apart, maybe they won't be able to do as much wickedness to one another. And so I, I heard it talked about that way, and, and yeah, that made a little bit more sense to me. And then for the past couple of weeks, I've been watching Willow back there get her legs underneath her to crawl. And over the past week, I've been watching Willow get food smeared all over her face as she's trying to eat. And I've legitimately been super excited about those things. Which is silly. It's at least silly for me. I mean, later on today at lunch, if I get food all over my face, you're not going to be like, oh, look at him, he's eating so well. <laughs> yeah, if, if, if I start crawling around, you're not going to be like, oh, Pastor Jay is so great, look at him go. 
Because her scale is not my scale. But I can be excited about her scale. I can be excited about when she holds the bottle herself. I can be excited about the things that Cricket and Tempest do when they do their things. And what I'm getting excited about there is not necessarily even the thing that they're doing. But I'm getting excited about the potential of the thing that they're doing. The potential that Willow will be able to eat food like everybody else. Hopefully better than her sisters. (laughs) That she'll be able to crawl and then she'll be able to walk and then she'll be able to run and then she'll be able to do all sorts of things. I'm excited about that potential. And so I came back to this reading after having all of that and I read this reading... Now, instead of a God who is insecure about what the Babelites are able to do, but now as a God who is a proud father, witnessing the potential of his creation. And he goes down and he looks at this tower that, compared to what God can do, is, well, really not all that impressive. But compared to what they have been able to up to this point in human history, is amazing and shows so much potential. And God within the community of Himself, God within the community of the Holy Trinity, is gushing over these silly Babelites and saying, Look at what they've done. Now nothing will be impossible for them. But then, why does he confuse their languages? If he's so proud at this moment, then, well, why does he go and, well, make it not the case that they're able to continue to build their tower. They actually leave their tower unbuilt, sort of like the eyesore on I-4 if you're from around Orlando. Why, why does he do that? Well, he does that because God, God sees our potential. God sees your potential. But when God sees your potential, what he sees a lot of the times is that you take your potential and you do the wrong stuff with it. So you have potential to do great things. But so often, we as human beings who are sinners, who are sinful, who are turned in on ourselves, we do the stuff that looks right in our own eyes and not the stuff that God calls us to do. And so God looks at the Babelites who are building this silly city and this silly tower, and he's looking at them much like a parent looks at their child who is living in their garage playing Minecraft and watching Netflix all day and saying, I see a lot of potential in you, but this ain't it. (laughs) And so God, as a good parent, what he does is he says, You can't live here anymore. I'm going to confuse your languages so that you give up this silly project and go live 
in a way that maximizes on your potential. I'm going to confuse your languages so that you get out of here, so that you enjoy this world that I've created for you. He's like, you Babelites are sticking in one place. I created an entire earth for you to live in. Go! Look at it. Farm it. Experience it. Live it. And so often he's saying the same thing to us. When we're using our potential and we're using that potential in order to stay in the places that we are. God is saying, break out of that. And that's exactly what he does with the disciples. The disciples who are in Jerusalem on his orders. Are in Jerusalem on his orders. He said, don't leave the city until the Holy Spirit comes. Wait for it. And he builds up this tension. And what he's doing is he's sort of doing the Tower of Babel all over again. He's saying, check this out. My church isn't just going to be about 12 Jewish dudes. My kingdom is going to be about these 16 different language groups that we have in Acts. It's going to be about the 6,500 language groups that we have in our world today. It's going to be about not staying where we are, but rather being empowered by the Holy Spirit to chase after our potential. Because that is what God loves. If you really get down to what it means to worship God, what it means to worship God is simply to behave in the way in which he has created us to behave. So when the sun gets up in the east and it goes down in the west, every day it's worshiping God. When you get up in the morning and you go to your job, and you do a good thing at your job, you do your job well, you're worshiping God. When you get up in the morning and you kiss your spouse and you tell them that you love them, you're worshiping God. When you get up in the morning and you hug your children or you meet a stranger or you do any of the things that are within your vocations, you are worshiping God. And that is what God wants from you, to take hold of that potential that is placed within you to live out the vocations that he has set you in. Because those vocations, they might as well be languages. Some of your vocations are Meteorologists have their own crazy language. Lawyers have their own crazy language. HR people have their own crazy language. Retired people, I'm learning, have their own crazy language. You all have your own languages. Embrace them. Live them out. Don't be stuck in the mud Babelites, but be disciples. Go out empowered by that Holy Spirit that has forgiven you of your sins, that has placed you in his kingdom, that has made you followers of that God who loves to see you live your life and when he sees you live your life is proud that he has created you. Proud that he has redeemed you from your sins. 
and proud that he is sanctifying you and making you holy. So may you this week know that the God of the universe is proud of you. He is proud of what he has created. He is proud of what he redeemed. He is proud of what he is sanctifying. And let that knowledge change your life, change your vocation, and change your worship. Amen.